0: Good morning, everyone. Morning. So, I want to talk first about... um, First, it's good to see... I can only see some people. (laughs) But, um, I think if I go like this... Now I can see much more. It's good to see all of your faces. All that I can see. Can you hear me okay? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Okay. The people outside, I don't I don't I'll talk as loudly as I can. Um I want to talk about because um people here asked me to talk about T and I are not in the Zendo. And so I just want to mention why that is. Uh I seem to be there's nothing to worry about. I seem to be exhibiting some of the signs that are potentially COVID related and, um, but we're not sure. So as a precaution, uh, I'm staying in my room and Tia's staying upstairs in her room and, uh, everybody else is in between. So we're just taking that precaution to make sure everybody's okay. But so far, um, the symptoms could be it. If they are, then I'm one of the people who is is having a relatively easy time with it. So so there's nothing to be concerned about with me, but, but I do need to be careful about being contagious, if that's what's happening. So I just wanted to let you all know that. <clears throat> the interesting thing is, you know, I've been... Um, I've been feeling into what to talk about today. I wasn't sure, and um, and so one of the fortunate privileges of being at the monastery is that there is this that that I can um, go to the land really easily for guidance, and so I spent some time outside sitting this morning, and um, and I was thinking about the 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 reality of not knowing, in in my case at this moment, not knowing if this is something or if it's not something, or and, um, and this time of not knowing where we're going and what's happening and what's next. And actually, it's, this is, this part I didn't expect. It took me back to my early childhood, and, um, thinking about you know i was thinking about um the description of the, the healthcare system right now in in new york and that it's overwhelmed and people aren't able to get in for for illnesses that they would normally be able to get in for that treatments are difficult that um and fortunately, we're coming to a the crest you know and and things seem to at least statistically be getting better but still we're we have an overwhelmed medical system and and i i remember being young and um and living in a rural area that didn't have much of a medical system at all and uh if you had um if you got vaccines some of you may remember this i don't know where you grew up but if there were vaccines, you didn't go get it. What happened was a doctor came to your town and all of us kids went to a church and got in a line and got our vaccines and then you went home and then that doctor went to another town. And, um, and it was, um, and and another thing that came up, and I don't know why I'm supposed to talk about this, but this seems to be coming up, um, that system was not very, um, you know, it was underfunded and a lot of people live in, in those very systems today. So my brother uh, was um, was misdiagnosed with the flu when he had spinal meningitis and in a few days died. And... I've been thinking about the grief of that. I've been feeling the grief of that and the confusion of it and um, and what it is to grieve a loss that happened suddenly, that happened inexplicably, that happened because there wasn't an ability to respond to it in the way that it might need it to have been responded to. And... Um, And going forward, what going forward looked like. And what going forward looked like for us was not a whole lot of time attending to grief. Um, It looked like quietness, depression, getting back to work. Um, Not really knowing how... To deal with a world that was suddenly completely upside down and really having no skills to deal with that world, there were other things that had to be dealt with. there was food, there was paying for things there were keeping electricity on there was moving through a life that required i don 't know what i don't know how my parents dealt with it you know that you got back to um you got back to the crises that were just the regular crises of the day, and I think about so many people right now because we talk about um, we talk about the people who are going to be that are going to suffer more because of this. You know, the ones who are more vulnerable, the ones who are. We know that hundreds of thousands of people, millions, um, hundreds of millions of people will experience more poverty because of this time. We'll experience more difficulty, and, and it's one thing to say that. It's another thing to, um, to recognize that with every one of those situations, there's a moment-to-moment anxiety of not knowing how you're going to live. And you adapt, and you figure it out, and you have arguments over things that you don't even know why you're having arguments. And, um, you know, I think of how many arguments my brother and I had probably just because we were anxious. Why bring all this up? (laughs) This has been here. This has been here. The um, the descriptions of the medical system and its overwhelm is the description of the medical system in huge parts of the world. It's the description of the medical system, the medical capacity in refugee camps. It's in colonias, in um, townships, in places all over the planet, in Appalachia, in urban areas, in our own cities. And like our own bodies, you know, I think there is a, and there's a grief that comes with that now being in our faces. And there's a pain that comes with it being in our faces. And there is a discussion about, and there is a pain I think that's happening right now, rightfully so, I don't want to diminish this at all, which is, How are we, will we ever be able to return to normalcy? And, um... We don't know. And... What was normalcy? You know, what was normalcy, what is the normalcy we want to return to? Certainly not this. But I don't know that it's what's before this, either. That, um, you know, the Buddha talked about the ways that we are not awake. And he was really clear, he was very um, kind to narrow it down to three major poisons, right? To greed, and to hatred, and to delusion. Kind of covers the basis. And, um, when we are asked to stop, we know this from Zazen, we know this from Sashin, we know this from, now, this pandemic. When we are asked to stop, things that were not in our awareness suddenly come up into our awareness. whatever we were doing before that allowed for it. And this isn't true of everyone. For a lot of people, this was already fully in their awareness. But for some people, it wasn't. And um, when we stop, it comes up into our awareness. And then the question is, what do we do with it when it's there? And... There's a sadness that comes up, there's a resistance that comes up, there's grief that comes up, there's all of these things that come up. <laughs> and um, I want to talk about the grief piece of it. Because when suddenly there's all of this, I think, there, when we're dealing with our own bodies, when we're dealing with our own karma, and I don't make a distinction between our personal our karma that happens for supposedly us and the karma of the whole cult, the whole world, and society because there it's all sweeping in and out of each other. But when that um, when that arrived, when we're dealing with that karma, really the first thing that we have to do is that we have to inquire into what is resisting awareness. And what are we doing to resist awareness? And so, and then invite, and we can notice this in our bodies in certain ways, there's parts of our bodies we're not aware of at all, that numb out, that are, um, we're unable to go into. And so we just note these. And then we invite that into awareness. Now when those parts are invited into awareness, the next inquiry really is, what cannot settle? Something comes into awareness and then the, then the inquiry is, what, what is resisting settling? And that's an incredibly powerful question, because once we ask the question, what is resisting settling? We're starting to see, um, our karma in a very, very nuanced way, because at that point we're asking the question, okay, what is resisting settling? I have to in when, when we, when we're inviting things into awareness, it's not always easy to see what's resisting awareness because it's out of our awareness. But when it comes in and it can't settle, when it comes into our awareness and it can't settle, we can inquire into the conditions of it's not settling. We can look and see. We can feel the energies in our body. We can see the thoughts and the views that we believe deeply. And we can start to inquire into what is happening here, and then we can invite further settling and further settling and further settling. And in a way... It's an easy way to scan the body, to scan a life and see what are we not turning toward because we're resisting awareness and what cannot settle as ourselves, as who we are, as the mind, as the heart. That's not the end of it. um, Because once something settles, when it's settling, we're learning. As we're looking at the conditions, we're beginning to learn, right? That's what's been called investigation, right? We're investigating this and we're starting to learn. But at least for me, you may have a different experience. I have found very little learning that is meaningful, that is not directly associated with grief. There are very few meaningful things that I've ever learned in my life and in practice that I, I didn't have to grieve something. That I didn't have to let something move. I didn't have to let old beliefs die. I didn't have to... And the older I get, the more this is true. And so we grieve, that process of grieving that activates the heart and activates the wisdom of the heart and the capacity of the heart to help us learn Because without grieving, there's no learning. And I would say if I were going to go back to my experience of of what happened with my brother and my family, because we never grieved together, in some ways we never learned together about that moment. And because of that, it still haunts us. And we are in a moment very much like that. That if we don't understand how to grieve, if we don't understand how to look at what we don't want to be aware of, what cannot settle, what the conditions for that not settling is, and moving through the grief that's necessary for that settling, then we won't learn from this time. We'll find a way back into the habits of not being aware as quickly as we can. And so there's something really important, and this is an invitation that I would give to every one of you. If you are still, if you are paying attention, if you are aware of what's happening, if you are letting this into your heart, there is a wisdom arising in you right now. It is intimately wrapped up with the grief That may be arising in you. And with the pain that might be there. They are inseparable. At this kind of a moment. And that wisdom. That may be changing. Your view about the kind of life to live. Or a way to be. Or how to be in the world. Please listen to that. Because it will be that it will be that wisdom together that guides us in this. Now, for some of us, it is so frantic because of 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 um, the crises we're going through. We're not going to have time, you know. Nurses, doctors, people who are suffering from COVID, communities who are being um, who are suffering more from it, or being thrown into poverty because of it. It's, it maybe isn't so easy to sit down and do what we're talking about. But for the ones for whom, although I would argue in, sometimes you develop even smarter ways of surviving. But, um, for those of us who have the privilege to be able to take the time to do that, it's kind of our duty It's kind of something that we can offer this moment so that we don't just go back (laughs) into something, if this is what was happening for us, into a life that was moving so quickly, or a life that was... um, And I hold myself to this because I feel this way about myself right now. Um, that was moving in such a way that, um, even though we believed in the things we valued, we may not have taken the time to actually live those values out. And, um, and the thing that comes after the grief and the wisdom arising when the heart is activated, is as we move through grief, and and I'm certainly not an expert on grief, I can only speak for myself. As I move through grief, one thing that becomes very um, clear to me isn't that grief goes away, (laughs) but that grief starts to become less and less personal. That grief when it's really, thoroughly felt, it becomes the grief of everyone. It's, 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 it's the Buddha sending Kisagotami to go find the mustard seed of the house that did not suffer loss. It's the, that is the, that is the movement the heart goes through as grief is thoroughly felt, and then we begin to realize that our grief is everyone's grief and everyone's grief is our grief. And from that, I think something very important happens and one of the other side of wisdom emerges, which is, for me, the deepest wisdom, and that's karuna, what we translate as compassion. But the arising of a need because we've built the tools we've we've looked at dis- we've discerned and we've we've brought into awareness and we've settled and we've discerned and we've activated the heart and we've grieved which is our recognition of impermanence and we move into this um, into karuna into a deep bodhisattva desire to not just feel or be with the suffering of people, but to find out what the roots of that suffering is, and pull those roots out. That's the maturation of wisdom. Without that maturation, wisdom is fairly useless to anybody, including ourselves. It's just a blip of insight that doesn't matter so much. But, as it matures into compassion, then we can take in the then we can begin to respond in some way, and so we are now going through this um in whatever ways and whatever positions in whatever places we are, and it's different for all of us this process of awareness and settling and investigation and wisdom arising with often with grief and then moving into compassionate action. But this is you know, this needs space. And then in that in that and we're seeing this, you know, which I just love. I love that this seven o'clock thing is happening and the cheering and everything that's going on, because there's something we're seeing that that is so critical in all of this, and I'll just, what I would call it is solidarity. You know, that there is an arising of, it's not, it's one thing to um, feel karuna, it's one thing to feel compassion, it's one thing to feel that action. It's another thing to move in solidarity with human beings. To move in solidarity with people who are, are, And everybody is at some level, but to move in solidarity with people who are struggling, to move in solidarity with people who are going to get the worst of this. There are some people in the world who are going to get the worst of this, and it's going to continue on for many, many, many years. And so what is it for our, we'll have to move through our own process. This is in no way any time the social comes into this this is in no way to put aside the work we have to do as bodies on the cushion because there's no way to do one without the other there's no way to have the strength of heart to be in solidarity without doing the work of all of the other work that we do it's overwhelming and frankly, the 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 Duke is not stopping anytime soon. You know, suffering's not stopping anytime soon. So, to do the loving work with our own bodies and hearts and minds, so that we can become um, the beings that can do this work. Someone said to me that um, they felt almost badly that at home, they were feeling, well, more than one person, a lot of people said this, that they felt badly that they were at home and they were feeling, feeling some joy and ease in tragic times. Please feel joy and ease. We have got to manifest, we have to cultivate and manifest joy and ease. We have got to be able to walk into the painful reality of the world with joy and ease. Because otherwise our heart, the breaking of the heart is just going to be too much. You know, and and um and sometimes we won't feel joy and ease and we're just going to have to like bear it and go but i want i hope that this is um for those for whom this wasn't true who are who are seeing something they knew but are now seeing it in a way they didn't see it before A certain kind of inequity, a certain suffering, a certain, all of these things that are happening. Let's not unsee it. Because it's happening, it is happening all over the world, all the time. And so that that turns us back to our own lives and begs many questions. And each of you, there's I, I have nothing I have nothing to say about the direction any of you should take. But I would say dig deep. Dig deeply into your hearts and your lives. Use this time to do that and let what comes come, even if you have to grieve the whole of the world, even if you have to grieve everything you've ever been, every thought you've ever had of yourself, who you are and what you think, if you have to grieve it all so that you can turn toward the suffering of the world. I mean, it isn't even an if. (laughs) You will have to grieve at all. (laughs) And then you can turn toward the suffering of the world in a full way. And that includes caring for yourself. But, um, in a full way. And so I hope this time, um, I'm just going to stop and we can ask questions. I hope this time is a time that that is, bringing, uh, that is allowing for wisdom to arise in us. I trust that every single one of you is a source of wisdom. I don't even trust that. I know that to be true. Every single one of you is a fountain of dharmic wisdom. The question is, do we hear it? Do we pay attention to it? Do we heed it? So, please do. Please care for yourself. When it's too much, take a break. And love each other. Please love yourselves and each other. Cultivate as much fearless, fearless love as you can. We won't be going, I don't believe we're going to be going back. I don't know what's to come, but I don't believe we're going to be going back. And um, this is a moment... For the world to become really honest and really caring, but that will only happen if we allow ourselves to learn and carry that forward. I hope you all are healthy. I hope that every one of you are safe. I hope you stay that way. And the world is precarious, it will never not be. Any illusions otherwise are illusions. And here is one thing about that illusion. If we grasp the illusion that the world is not precarious, And by precarious, I mean we cannot expect a single thing that's going to come. If we grasp the illusion that the world is not precarious, we will control it. And if we control it, we will make it more precarious for others by trying to control it. We will do it personally, we will do it socially, we will do it economically. We will do it in every way. The hardest thing to relinquish is the illusion of precariousness. That the world is flying around out of our control. But when we do that, when we do that really fully, then we can enter into solidarity with everyone. But really not until then. So, I would not suggest a mind that looks for normalcy, because I don't even know what that is. But I would suggest a mind that is awake and that settles and that finds love, joy, and ease in precariousness so that we can be with each other and love each other and support each other in very real, concrete, meaningful ways. Thank you all for your practice and thank you for all the ways you're supporting each other. I know you are and the people around you. All my love. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by the Brooklyn Zen Center. Our programs are given free of charge and made possible by the donations we receive. For more information on supporting Brooklyn Zen Center, please visit the giving section of brooklynzen.org.